everybody, this is JP from JP Ross in the Scene Podcast, and today we have Martin Bauden from Flyman Fishing Company, and they have a just a whole heck of a lot of stuff to offer for anyone that's a fly tire, um, specifically fly tying. You're going to learn about how Martin is a huge innovator for the industry in regards to some of the products that he has and how he came up with some of those ideas. And and to be honest, I think it was people that were coming up with different ideas, for example, using epoxy heads on flies that Martin looked at and said there's an opportunity there to help the fly tire and create a product to help create uh, the same type of look. There were innovations that he came up with to improve something as simple as a lead barbell eye that was common in the fly tying industry for many many years and uh, he tweaked that and came up with the fish skull and the fish skull line of products and now you also hear about these articulating spines that he's come up with to help make flies articulate and I, I will tell you I am a fly tire at heart and I haven't been able to do it too much because of life and kids and stuff like that but boy talking with him and looking at the products while I was talking to him it really got me pumped up and it also made me realize that things have really advanced so here I am staring at 44 years old and started tying flies when I was 12 and I look at what I started with and look at what's out there right now and let me tell you people you gotta you gotta try some new stuff because man it is really really there's a lot of advantages to some of the new technologies, and Flyman Fishing Company has many of them. So here comes Martin to tell us all about them. Thanks for tuning in today. Well, welcome to In the Scene, Martin. Uh, it's glad to have you here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for uh, for the invite. It's good to uh, good to chat you. Yeah, it is great. So I'm you, as you know, I'm in upstate New York. I actually don't know where you're uh, calling from. Where are you? Uh, well, um, don't let my accent fool you, but I'm I'm calling from Charleston, South Carolina. Okay, so you didn't have to snowblow your driveway this morning. No, no, but it was terrible. It got down to maybe 40 degrees today. Oh, that's pretty, <laughs> pretty cold. So, um, uh, again, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad that you came on, on here. Um, you are in charge of owner and all that stuff of Flyman Fishing Company, and we're going to talk about that today. Um, I, As everyone can know that we've talked a little bit here and there, and now we're starting to do some more stuff with flies, which we're going to be launching pretty soon, working with you. Um, and uh, if you don't mind kind of doing a bio and talk a little bit about yourself, um, obviously you got a little bit of an accent, so I'm sure that your, uh, your life history goes maybe back to another land. So tell us about yourself, please. Yeah, well, um, yeah, there's, there's probably quite a lot I could talk about. I've got a, uh, this is the fourth country I've lived in. Um, I was born in Zimbabwe in Africa. And uh, you know, grew up mostly as a teenager in South Africa, and pretty much, uh, you know, that's that's where my my accent comes from. It's a mix of British and not sure quite what. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you know, pretty much grew up in South Africa. Started fishing in Africa. Um, left there in two thousand, and actually moved to the UK for four years. So I lived in uh, in the the London area. And um, moved to the States in 2004. Um, actually uh, lived in Arizona initially for about three years, uh, which was great. Really, really loved that. 
And then uh, 2007, moved to the East Coast, to North Carolina, to Charlotte. That's actually where I started started the company. Um, and uh, um, when was we, that? Martin? That was uh, 2007, or end of end of 2007, beginning 2008. Okay. So yeah, interesting time, right? <laughs> you were like you got in at the bottom, I guess, so to speak, right? Because we had a little bit of a of a kind of recession going on then. Oh, right. it was the it was the worst possible time anyone could think to uh, start a company. <laughs> Nowhere to go but up. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, uh, <laughs> and I was I was unfortunately one of those guys who got caught with the whole housing bubble. Um, okay. Yeah, it was pretty pretty grim for a while. Um, but um, you know, fly fishing is the thing that, uh, that quite honestly saved my life. It really made me focus and. Uh, yeah, you know, gave me a gave me something to really get involved in during the darkest times. And uh, thirteen years later, we yeah you know, we're here and we've we've grown yeah. this this company into something that's you know it's 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 starting to make a real uh, impact. I think in the market and it is in it the lives of lives of fly fishermen, hopefully. So we're going to talk about some of the innovative products that you have and, and everything. But I do want to talk a little bit about yourself and life and stuff um, because. I uh, lately I've been talking a lot about, you know, my age and that I'm getting a little bit older and stuff like that. I think you guys, you and I are closer in generations than probably some of the newer generations of fly anglers. Uh, and um, a lot of us have interesting stories about how our life gets refocused and we learn a little bit more about what matters and stuff like that. And, um, I would like to ask you if you can talk a little bit about what was the um, inspiration to to do this, and and maybe if you're willing to confide in in me and in us about what was going on, and and I know that you're you certainly seem happy now and enjoy the creativity that you're doing, but um, I will I'll I'll let you think about that for a second because I will tell you that one other friend of mine started a amazing brand and company called best made and right. and um they uh recently sold to um duluth trading and uh it was a really rough time in his life that he created that brand and he was in new york city and i talk with him a lot because he's another in inspiring individual, just like you are and it was actually through um hardship that it inspired him and got him focused I don't know if that's your story or anything like that, but I was just curious, you know, what is the story? How'd you get into it? What was going on? Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, well, I, there's a lot of, um, I mean, there were there was a lot going on uh, for a lot of people during you know, 2007, 2008. I mean, it was, uh, it was a crazy time economically for the country, as, as, as a lot of people remember. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I basically, um, I, I actually used to be a corporate guy. I was used to work for a very large uh, software company, uh, one of the biggest ones out there, for many, many years. And you know, I was, uh, that's what I did. But I was, I've always been a fisherman. Um, you know, um, I came to fly fishing a little bit late. I first started fly fishing in 1995. But um, you know, I was, uh, I was always a fisherman. So, um, and as I um, as I got into fly fishing, as I, you know, I started to get deeper and deeper into it, but I was just a, just an enthusiastic fly fisherman, not particularly good. Um, and at some point I started tying flies and, um, 
um, uh, maybe 2005, 2006. I was tying a lot of a uh, lot of nymphs actually at the time. You know, it's one of the you know, things that you start off tying, and I was mm-hmm. tying a lot, a lot of beadhead nymphs. And uh, as I was tying these flies and learning about them and so on, something occurred to me is that you know we we put so much effort into tying these very small flies and getting everything accurate. You know, the tail's got to be made of this feather and the wing case has got to be this. We, we, we got a huge amount of effort to, to, um, to create these flies. But then the thing that was bugging me was the bead head. You know, you have this one size fits all at that time, mostly gold beads sitting on the front of a fly. And the thing that was bugging me was that it had no eyes. Okay. We're tying these highly detailed bugs that we want to full fish with. And then we're just sticking a big round lump of metal on the front of the, the hook. And I just kept, it kept bugging me. Every time I looked at it, I thought it's going to eyes. And so I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool to have a, a tungsten bead that actually looked more like the shape of a bug's head and, you know, with the big eyes on the side of the, the head. And, and that was the inspiration for what became the, um, the nymph head a heavy metal tungsten bead. Okay. Basically a round bead with eyes on it. Right. So I thought that the fish skull was the first thing. It wasn't, was it? No, it wasn't actually. That was uh, probably the third product um, that we came out with. You know, I came out with the beads initially. Okay. Um, and uh, probably for about two, three years, just focused on those. Used to go to a lot of, yeah, I did it really did it the grassroots way. I, I used to tie flies and, Finally, I summed up the courage to go do a couple of fly fishing shows and con con my way onto a fly tying desk. And I had these beads I was selling. People just loved them and they kept buying them and they kept buying them. And before I knew it, I started the company and was selling them. Um, That's cool. But it was so, about two. It was about two years later that the fish skull came along. The original fish skull, which is now the fish skull bait fish head, was probably the most significant product that got the most attention very quickly. And it's still a very, very popular product today, you know, 10 years later. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to do a little uh, um, plug for you here. So I'm looking at the flymenfishingcompany.com site as we speak. That is where people can go, right, to see your stuff. Yep. Okay. So I pulled down the shop menu and I went to look at the nymph heads. And so when people are listening to this, if they want to go check this out, um, they can see it. Now, you've got a lot of different colors here um, for the different heads. And um, are those anodized? I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, they are. That was actually one of the innovations. You know, um, for many years, I was almost an innovator in beads. You know, for, for many years, everyone was just using, if you want to use a bead, use the gold or black bead. You know, and those were, um, the process of manufacturing was really just electroplating. But um, everyone, you know, I just figured out, well, you know, we need colors, you know, we need some, some, some colored beads. And so I worked with some, with the suppliers and a couple of suppliers, and we discovered a way that you could anodize beads. So all of a sudden we could do a caddis green, we could do red beads, purple beads, pink beads. Um, but we were the first ones to do it and figured out the process. Um, and something like that's now become very commonplace. Um, but we were, you know, we're offering probably about ten different colors of both sort of natural colors and what I call attractive colors. Um, so yeah, we got a nice, nice range of colors. Um, so in the in the nymph head line, you've got um, stonefly caddis, some different shapes. Can you describe the different shapes um, that you have? 
Yeah, yeah. Essentially, we um, we in the Nymphed range, Nymphed uh, product range, we've really got three products. We've got the original heavy metal tungsten bead, which is essentially a round bead with with eyes on it. We also have the fly color range, which is the a range of round brass beads, um, you know, lighter, cheaper beads in in once again in ten different colors. But the, um, the the what you're describing there is the evolution range, and this was really my <laughs> my 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 vision for for where fly tying beads should go. Is I kept coming back to the fact that if you look at nymphs, you know, and and then you compare them to bugs, the size of the head. And the shape of the head, you know, it's all a one size fit all thing with a round bead. So I said, well, wouldn't it be cool if we just created a tungsten bead that actually looked and was proportionate to the size of the insect you're actually trying to imitate? Mm -hmm. So as a result, you know, uh, I, I created the evolution, Nymphed evolution bead. And to describe to the audience, it's really just tungsten beads as you know them, except they're in the shape of a stonefly a caddis, and then the two broad categories of mayfly, you know, you've got your uh, your swimmers and your burrowers that typically have a very different shape to a, like a clinging and crawler, which is typically that flat, broad head. And that's that's what that's all about. It's it's really just um, it's really just tungsten beads that help you get a level of detail on your flies to match what you're doing to the rest of the fly in terms of the body, the legs, the tail, and that sort of thing. Yeah, and to um, recoup, just with everybody, you have tungsten, and then you have the brass beads, and so, and you know I love the fact that there are there's both beginners and um, you know accomplished anglers that listen to the podcast and stuff. Tungsten's much much heavier than brass, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, that's one of the reasons, and 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 a little bit more expensive to manufacture, I believe, from an alloy standpoint. Um, but you've got both tungsten and brass. But if anybody's wondering what tungsten's all about, it's a much, much denser metal. So it's going to sink a lot more. So um, I'm going to jump into the fish skulls in a second. But I did want to go back to you for a moment because you've got a lot of stuff on here for um, streamers and bigger flies. But hearing you talk, you started as this nymph guy. And, yeah. uh, you know, if if you and I had the choice and and I said, look, let's go do whatever you want to do, whatever's going to make you most happy, what fishing would you and I go do? I'm just curious. Uh, there's nothing like sight fishing to me. So if I had one last fishing trip on the planet to go on, it'd probably be like a bone fishing trip. Mm -hmm. um, something where um, you're actively hunting the fish. I mean, you're stalking the flats, you're looking, you, you know, um, targeting specific so i like that sort of thing um but yeah. I'll, I'll i'll fish for a goldfish in a bowl if you give me <laughs> give me a chance that's I really, cool. I really enjoy it all it doesn't matter where what when yeah it's it's kind of the environment has a lot to do with it doesn't it too you know the, the where you are absolutely absolutely um yeah it is really i mean um yeah it's actually quite yeah you're right i mean it, it the reason i say this is because i've been in um, I've been in really beautiful places where the fishing has not been so good, but I still yearn to go back there maybe more than some places where I've gone and I've caught a lot of fish, you know? Um, and I was curious if you're going to be like, I, you know, I definitely want a Euro nymph, uh, you know, in Poland or something like that. And, it, but, um, it sounds like it's more of the inspiration and the, and the 
enjoyment of sight fishing, the hunt, so to speak, right? The stimulus of, of being able to see all these things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's very exciting. It's adrenaline, but quite honestly, um, I think if you're into fishing, it doesn't matter where you are. You can be fishing in a ditch next to your house and you can have just as much fun as on some exotic trip to, you know, the Seychelles or somewhere. Um, yeah, I must tell you a story. I, and uh, yeah, he'll, he'll probably listen to this podcast, but, um, you know, I've got some very good friends from South Africa and, um, they, um, oh, some years ago, maybe two years ago, they went down to, I think it was Costa Rica to, to, to fish for those really big tarpon they got there. Um, so they had, I think, a week there catching these, you know, 200 pound tarpon. They had a great time. But on the way back, they said, Hey, we're leaving, but can we come and spend a day with you? And I was living up in uh, North Carolina, up in the mountains at that point. Can we come just visit, come spend a day with you on our way back to South Africa? I said, Sure, swing on by. So, um, these two guys who literally for the last 10 days or week had been catching these massive game fish, you know, phenomenal fishing. They arrived and they said, okay, well, are we going fishing? I said, sure. And we got into, now three of us got into my little 10 foot aluminum John boat I had. And I lived on a, a bass lake and I took these out guys out fishing with poppers. And, um, yeah, we were catching, you know, maybe 10 inch largemouth bass just all day having the best fun on the planet um uh, you, you know you know on these small little fish in a mm -hmm. you know not particularly great lake and uh it, i think it, what's nice is i think just you know if you're really into to fishing it doesn't matter what you fish for you can have just as much fun on a yeah. 200 pound tarpon or a two ounce little bass you know? yeah i know i agree i think that um you know the the absolute value so to speak of the of the fishing experience is not it's it's a unit you know what i mean like like you can get 10 units of of joy joy from going in a john boat and, and catching largemouth bass and you also get 10 units of enjoyment catching 200 pound tarpon in costa rica it has nothing to do with with size right you don't put it on a scale Absolutely. and also the camaraderie of uh you know i've got some friends that we love to to fish together and kind of um hop around each other and that makes for a really enjoyable time too you know oh, oh absolutely yeah and that example i gave you i always remember it because it was is here with these guys were literally the day before 12 hours before they were yeah fighting a hundred pound top and whatever and then they were just as enthusiastically going off and catching these yeah you know, fish as big as your hand type of thing. It was, yeah i know uh, it was just great that's awesome that is so cool so um thanks for sharing that too because it's i'm i'm glad that we've we've got it on the podcast and documented it because i will probably go back and visit that um i did jump over onto the fish skull uh streamer tying material section and you've got more than just um fish skulls on here but we're going to start with that with the fish skull and i wanted to ask if you could uh talk about that particular one i love that one that was that was i think you got a lot of press and a lot of marketing was going on with the fish skull when it came out and um so I remember you as, as that one, you know, um, at kind of as the launch, but now we've learned that the nymph heads had a lot to do with it too. But Martin, is there a right and a wrong way to put the skull on? Cause isn't there like a little slit in the front and is there an up and a down? Can you talk about that for a second? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, 
Yeah, actually, you know, our fish skull, if you look at our product brands, fish skull is our biggest, biggest range now. We've probably got 12, 14, 15 products under that range. But fish, the fish skull, which is uh, now called the fish skull bait fish, that was the original. That was, that was the, the innovation, start of the innovation right there for streamers. And um, really what I was looking for was at that time, the only option you had to wait a streamer now this is going back 10 years, but it was it was at a time when streamer fishing was really starting to to get going. Um, people were under, starting to understand um, that streamers can be incredibly effective, incredible amount of fun. Um, and there were certain pioneers at the time, you know, guys like Kelly Gallup, um, obviously Blaine Chocolate. You know, these were the real pioneers who were really, and many more guys who 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 really. Um, getting out there um, and, and, and making things happen with streamers, big new new design flop flies. But at that time, the only way that you could really weight your fly was to either use a dumbbell, you know, a, 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 you know, a lead dumbbell or Blouser um, style, right? Yeah. Or, or a cone. Yeah. Um, so really I, I, I wanted to do a couple of things. I wanted to, to offer an alternative but I also wanted to make it easier for people to actually tie as well. You know, mm-hmm. one of, uh, I think our success things with our, our products is they tend to simplify things. Um, I'd like to look at three or four steps and try and simplify it down to a single step if you can. Yeah. So what the innovation really was with that is it's really a combination between, I suppose, a, a, a dumbbell and a cone, and it's really a metal head um, um, and, and a couple of different things. Um, basically, with a with a with a cone or a dumbbell, the tying process is you you tie the you know, hook in the vise, and then you tie your cone or your dumbbell on onto the hook, and then you tie your body, your tail, your body, and you complete the rest of the fly. With a fish skull, it was completely completely different. Basically, you tie your entire fly first. And you fit the head of the fly, which is really the the fish skull, from the front of the fly. At the time, this was like absolutely radical. Like, yeah, it, it, you know, the the yeah. actually actually fitting. Yeah, you know, how do you get past the eye of the hook? You know, right. and 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 so um, and it really just um, you know, if you can imagine, you tied your fly, your entire body of your fly, entire tail and then you really finished off the fly and weighted it at the same time by fitting the fish skull on from the front and in doing so it really created a uh, it, it, it 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 covered up a lot of you know especially yeah. for be- beginners covered up bad thread wraps yeah it gave you a second chance to reposition your materials if you tied them in a little bit skew um it it gave you the ability to have eyes on the fly which was a big problem back then um, you know, because the it's got sockets, so you just stick eyes into the sides. Um, very cool product, and and I'm very thankful that's still incredibly popular today. Yeah, um, it's awesome. And I and I am a fly tire. I don't tie as much as I used to with the kids and stuff. But I, this this uh, product, the the bait fish head, the fish called bait fish head, I have used a lot and I don't know if I've done it right or wrong, but I'm, but I don't know if there really is a right or wrong with fly tying, so to speak, but there are some design concepts that you have around this thing. And, and I will tell everybody, if you haven't tied these one great thing 
uh, is just like you said, if, if your body material or wing material is skewed, there's kind of like gill plates on the thing that gets everything back in order. Um, there is kind of an up and a down to it, right? Cause it has that kind of tarpon like look to the oh, front. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. For, yeah. I forgot to, to mention you're, you're absolutely right. One of the key things about it is, is that I play, is that it, the, the head is weighted. There is a up, there is a top and a bottom. Okay. And basically what I want to do is I wanted to mimic the effect that the dumbbell has. And you know, okay. if you, if you look at the dumbbell, um, a dumbbell, if you, you know, you tie it on underneath the hook and it, and it allows it, it, it that, that weight allows the, if you think of a clouser minnow, for example, allows a, a, a fly to be tied and swim with the hook up. And I wanted the same effect with the, with the head. So the bottom of the head has got most of the weight. Wow. So what it does is it puts the center of gravity below the shank of the hook and gets pretty much the same effect as if you just put it down. I didn't know that. So you actually could flip this over and keel the fly like you do a clouser. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Um, And I have, like I said, I've tied with these a lot. I love the sockets and I love your eyes. And we're going to, we will mention how awesome your eyes are. Uh, I did want to ask your opinion though. Do you like to put the eyes on and then coat it with any anything, or put adhesive on, or just stick them? What's the what do you think is the best way to do the eyes? Well, um, yeah, stick, uh, stick them on. Use super glue. You know, don't don't mess around. But um, yeah, if you want to really bulletproof it, I would I would. Um, it's nice to to you know if you got the time to finish off the fly, put on uh, some sort of coating, okay. something that's clear. Um, a product like uh, like Liquid Fusion is a fantastic product. You know, easy to work with. Yeah, nice and water based, so you don't mess up your hands. Or um, I've seen a lot of guys even just take good old five minute epoxy and and just really, uh, yeah. Really, I, really I, I think it's a, I think it's a good idea to try and seal in the eyes if yeah. as much as possible. No matter how 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 um, it's it's amazing what abuse a fly takes once you're actually in the water and you're fishing it and. It's getting hit against the side of the boat or a rock (laughs) or your head. Yes. And that's, that's one of the things I did want to set expectations for people. I think sometimes people think they can just stick these eyes on and then, you know, they're going to be on there forever. You, you got to do a little more work if you're going to have them stay on there for, for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, it's, um, your eyes are one of those things. It's, it's no matter what style of flight, it's hard to, hard to keep them in place. Yeah, It's a detail right yeah. any any detail you got to kind of spend a little more time on i got two quick questions on the on the the bait fish head do you have to use a straight eye hook um no okay uh no you don't okay. um typically what i like to yeah you can obviously no you don't definitely okay. not but a little trick is um is for example, if you take something like one, like a sculpin bunny or something, is I like to use a long streamer hook, just a standard traditional trout streamer hook, something that's usually like a got a down eye. And what you can do is, is yeah, it does fit. You can just you can fit it on. But what's nice is if you turn the hook upside down, so in other words, it's facing up. The eye then is facing up as well. So it's a very easy way to to almost get a jig type fly or to have an up eye up eye hook fly if that makes any sense and do you have to lock it on with thread you don't have to um pretty much what i what i recommend is you know to just just to have a secure well-made fly put you know super glue on your thread wraps then fit the head and then what i like to do is i like to then reattach the thread 
uh, between the, the 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 fish skull and the and the eye of the hook, and okay. then you just quickly whip finish a little thread dam, and then it will never come off. Yeah, you're jamming it's it on lot, there, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's once it's on there, it's yeah. So the, I like that thread dam at the front. Um, cool. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on some of these products for um, a little sure. while. Are you okay with time? You okay? Oh yeah, yeah. I've, okay. I've perfect. Yeah, no problem. Okay, great. So another awesome. Uh, uh pe- product that you have is the mask where did how did that how did you come up with the with the that kind of clear uh not necessarily sinking attribute with the um with the mask and i will tell you you know why i love this thing because sometimes my head suck <laughs> and, I just, <laughs> and i and i love eyes i actually i absolutely believe that predatory fish look at eyes so uh I don't have to spend a lot of time on the head. I can slide the thing on. I throw some eyes on it and they just look great. What's the story on this? There's got to be a story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really was inspired from the original fish skull. If, if you look at our family of heads that we have, certainly in the fish skull range, the first one was the bait fish head, which is, you know, weighted metal head. Uh, but it's not that heavy. You know, it's, um, it's, it, it gives you weight, but it's not a, not a rock. It's not going not gonna to sink fast. Um, so it's very good for, you know, I would call, you know, just subsurface and, and, and just getting it down to the mid side. Inspired by that, I then created the, the Sculpin helmet, which is a phenomenally successful product as well. And that is a much heavier weighted oh, yeah. head with a heavy keel. And the whole idea was really to have that right on the bottom of the, the river. You know, I mean, you literally want to be tying hookup flies and bouncing that along the bottom, just like sculpins typically are. They, they live among the rocks and on the bottom. But the thing that was missing was really was a weightless fly. What is our solution for weightless flies? And at that time, the, the norm, in fact, the only way you could really do it is everybody was creating these epoxy head flies. So five minute epoxy. Yeah. And then you, work like a crazy person <laughs> to try and you're get right. one fly finished. Yes, and you're then, right. And, and as you said, there's no, it's hard to keep it consistent and it's always messy and it stinks. And, 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 and many of our products are really, I want to make things easy for people. So I just said, well, why don't we just have a pre-molded epoxy head? You know, have it molded in the, in the shape and uh, with eye sockets. So you can just embed any eye style you want. Um, and then with the same fish skull, um, uh, technique is really you tie your fly, you finish it off by fitting the head from the front of, from the front of the fly, you know, over the through the mm-hmm. eye of the hook, basically. Um, so really, what we did was I just said, well, you know, let's 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 just have a range of different size heads. Um, it needs to have eye sockets, and then it needs to be made of a material that's as clear as possible. And the reason I wanted to do that is is. I wanted the head to be clear so that whatever body material you're using on the fly will typically be sitting, you know, it, it, that color will, will be, will, will, the head will become that color because the color is just shining through the clear. Right. Um, now in the beginning, the first round of ones that we did, and, and many guys out there will remember this, the original, the first round of, of fish masks we made were an incredibly clear, crystal clear, hard plastic. Um, like a polymer and they were fantastic the only problem was they were very brutal so uh, what we found was 
we had quite a lot of complaints because you know you 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 cast you hit it on a rock or you hit it on the side of the boat you'll fly and, and you know it broke so then we moved from there to the most clear polymer material we could find that had flexibility so it just yeah you know, it doesn't break okay so, so the ones sorry. i so the ones story. i have <laughs> must be the plastic ones then the harder pol the, the harder cross-linked polymer and then you've got something that's that's uh a little more flexible i've yeah, used the yeah. ones then i'll put yeah. in an order today <laughs> no problem i'll send you some <laughs> this is great so you know that is so cool because uh, i knew you'd have a story and um i remember in the fly shop we would when if we had a rod turner that was open uh we would like have a little bit of epoxy or a lot of epoxy left from doing rods and stuff and we always had flies that we could do the epoxy heads on and we put them right on the rod turners right so there was like five or six of us that worked together to make the rods so we always had like this setup to do the epoxy heads but you need that right and we're mixing up epoxy and it takes eight hours to cure a really great epoxy and you're hanging out you know and having a coffee and then the fly the epoxy's tacky and then you put the eyes in and stuff but it was it's a lot of freaking work and <laughs> and i remember when these came out that it was popular um there was kind of like bob popovics and all these guys are doing some stuff with um epoxy and silicone heads and things like that and you came out with this around that time and now i see the light because it makes total sense now that i just see it as this is a great i kind of bootstrap it onto the to the fish skull and I didn't even think of uh, of how it's a replacement for an epoxy head. It's so cool. It's great. And your photography on this particular product uh, is just awesome. Just awesome. Great job. Thank you. Really wonderful job. So, um, so we're about uh, thirty minutes in, and I did want to. I want to make sure that we're going to end up talking about um, the chocolate stuff um, because you've got he he's got some really cool flies, and I want to particularly talk about this articulation and stuff. So you can kind of put that one in the parking lot that's coming. But um, another thing, and it just goes on and on and on. I mean, you, you're like a, such a wonderful company because your, your creativity and your products, it just goes on and on. It's so cool. And the digger you, the, you deep, you, the, the more you dig into your website, the more cool stuff that you find. The eyes, how did you spec to, did you design these eyes or did you find them somewhere? They are amazing your eyes that you have your living eyes talk about that yeah thanks very much yeah the living eyes are just once you know just uh, uh, been a very successful product for us um and i called them living eyes because literally that's what they they are you know we um they're alive <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding uh, well i, I mean I, I, um yeah, up until the point we came out with those, the way that eyes used to be made uh, or designed was really just very basic eyes, and it was all artwork. You know, you'd perhaps go to a computer and have a white background, and you put a black pupil on, you know, round dot, and and that was sort of the way eyes were made, almost as um, as decals, as stickers at that point. Um, there were some epoxy eyes out, uh, but once again, they were just a very basic standard design, which are fine. They work very well. No, nothing on there, but I just wanted something a little bit better. So really how we created them really is just took photographs of real fish eyes. And um, there's a process where we print those onto a special holographic backing, 
and then we put epoxy over that to create the three-dimensional effect basically wow. um, and um, when I looked at the range you know I said to myself well if we're going to do this I want to have the most comprehensive range on the planet so I said well we got to have a full range of sizes you know right for, so we got I don't know how many eight nine different sizes so anything from a three millimeter eye right up to a big 15 15 which is what is that in that's 20 15. 20 yeah, 25.4 millimeters to an inch for a reference. Yeah. So yeah. you're more than half an inch. Yeah, so we got we got some really big eyes, which, you know, the musky guys, the pike guys, the big game guys, they just love those, you know, a couple of bigger sizes. Um, but then the other thing I said, well, if we're going to do the range, I want to make sure that we have the base colors covered. You know, if you look at... Um, if you look at flies, I mean, at a, at a basic level, I mean, your colors you need is, you know, your... your silver silver and black you know you need your reds mm -hmm. you need um, um you know you need a, a gold or a yellow sort of eye um and uh, so we did those and then we did the third one which is the i think the earth color which is sort of a, a greeny brown uh, almost like a tilapia type color eye yeah so that was that was sort of the objective is hey we want a good range of sizes we want them to be as realistic as possible and then i wanted to make sure that we covered all the colors um and then i wanted to provide them at a reasonable price so that was sort of the sort of the the idea they are fantastic and i you don't have to disclose this if you don't want to i'm just curious are these done by hand or are they done with automation i mean they all are so consistent i'm curious you don't have to say but uh, if you no, no they they done primarily by machine by machine um, i mean literally we've, we 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 have to produce literally hundreds of thousands or actually millions of eyes a year and it's, yeah it's no way you could do it by hand um, wow yeah so the so the size is the size of of flymen how many people do you have Working oh, we're, well, um, we're actually a pretty small operation, really, in terms of it's probably only about uh, three or four of us at the physical office. Um, but we do have a lot of um, a lot of people who we collaborate with and work with us. So there's a lot of you know, people who contribute in different ways mm -hmm. remotely. Um, uh, but yeah, we're we're not a, we're not a, a huge company. We're small well, it's company. bigger. And by um, the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you here for a second because i don't want you to think that size necessarily matters i was just listening to a podcast where uh sawyer oars which are fantastic oars i don't know if you're familiar with them but they're just amazing um there i think they have like eight people or something that make all the oars for kayaking uh you know rafting you stand up paddle boards everything all over the world and it's a small company but there's they're the by far the leader and the most advanced so um even having a staff period the fact that it's more than just you is a sign of success by the way so you know super great job and also i will give you a, um, a tribute because if you've got uh processes where you can make millions of eyes like this and have them be consistent and your quality is always excellent so you've got it dialed in which is great you know you don't necessarily need it gazillion people you know dob an epoxy on holographic paper so great super great job oh, um, thank you. the uh so i'm gonna uh, eventually we want i want to get to the articulated flies and talking about that but for the next few minutes i want to give you the platform in regards to 
stuff about the company, anything, anything that's coming up, another product that you might want to talk about. I just want to end with the, uh, with the chocolate uh, articulated flies and, and, and how to articulate stuff. Cause you got a lot of these jointy kind of things and there's a lot of different joint type of things that you got on there. And I want to talk about those last, but please take the, take the helm and anything that you want to talk about innovation wise products, anything like that that you're excited well, about when you name it. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, um, you know, the, um, we're, we're a small company and, and we are, um, we have a lot of, lot of ideas. And so it's a, uh, uh, we're continually wanting to innovate, um, and improve upon what we've already done or, or just come up with. So, so there's a little bit of a, uh, I mean, I, I'm not interested in me too products. Um, I'm not interested in, um, copying other things that have been done. Um, I'm all about looking forward, you know, trying to, um, you know, uh, uh, stand on the shoulders of people who've come before us or, or, and, and, and try and improve our sport, try and make flies more effective, which in turn help fly fishermen become more effective. So, you know, unless it's something that's completely innovative or a significant improvement about on something that's already out there. Um, it, it typically we don't, we're not really interested in doing that. So that's sort of just a, a philosophy that we got is we're going to continue to be delighting our customers and just providing products that make everybody a little bit more successful and, and get more enjoyment out of this, this great sport of ours. Um, so we, yeah. So even though, you know, COVID has been challenging for a lot of things, um, we are continuing to, 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 to innovate. Um, what we've done recently um, in the last couple of months, we, we haven't really pushed it too hard yet, but um, our, the last thing we just released in December was our new uh, Flyman fly tying kits. So um, I believe there is a real opportunity and a place for, for, for well-done kits. I don't think it's really been done very well in the past. So we, we've just launched 10 different fly tying kits, which are really 10, everything in the, everything in the bag, everything in the box that will allow you to tie a, a fly pattern. Uh, you know, everything from step-to-step instructions to all the key materials um, and, you know, packaged in a really nice, easy way that, um, it looks good in retail and, and, and um, so it solves a couple of problems. Um, <clears throat> the the one, one thing I'm trying to solve with the kits is we've got to help new people get into the sport. So a great way to get a beginner, somebody who's new to fly tying, a great way to get them started um, uh, without having to figure out a lot of the mystery themselves. You know, fly tying's uh, it's overwhelming for people, especially new people. Like, how the hell do I start? What do I choose? We, yeah, I have to go 10 different places to source materials. So I think kits are a great way to get people started. It gives them a little taste of, of something and, and hopefully inspires them to go on and, and, and do more. Um, however, it's also a convenience thing, these kits. Um, we're in a busy world we live in. Um, nobody's got the time they used to. Um, you know, fly tying very much is all about designing and accumulating materials, sourcing materials, and then bringing these all together and, 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 and using them to, 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 to create a fly. But uh, people don't have time anymore, not like they used to. 
So there is a place for, hey, I want to tie some flies this weekend. I, I don't know what I want to tie, but uh, just let me grab something and I can go learn how to tie a new pattern and, and go fishing. So anyway, so the kits are, are something that we um, that, that is new and exciting. Um, we also launched last year um, the, the new fly tester. Um, yeah. That's, um, that's, I'm very excited about that. It's, it's going to that pretty... come about. Well, there's a story. And explain it to everybody too, by the way, because you know, we, you and I both know what it is, but people are just listening. What is this thing and, and how did it come about? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad I can talk about this actually, because it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, this is a true story really. Um, I, I created the original fly tester five years ago, but the whole idea, what it is, it's basically a specially designed acrylic tank uh, that uses a water pump to circulate water in a in this tank and basically allows you to swim your flies so it allows you to take um, a streamer a nymph or even a surface fly a dry fly or, or a popper and actually you know put it into the water as if it's in the river versus if it's on the, in the stream on the pond and allow you to see upfront and personal um, actually how the fly is actually working. Cause the thing is with fly ties and fly fishermen in general, we're, we're, we're huge optimists. I mean, you think about it, we'll spend days and hours in front of the vice. We'll, 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 we'll create the most wonderful looking patterns. And then we'll go straight from there to the river and throw it in the water and hope something bites it. And I realized I, I, what happened one weekend, this is how it actually came about is I spent, I had a new, new pattern. I thought this is going to be the most killer flower on the planet. I spent an entire Sunday tying up. I think I tied maybe at least a dozen perfect flies. Next day I went, went out on the river threw the fly in the water and it swam upside down immediately. And so did the other 12 that I just spent the entire day before tying. Right. <laughs> and so I suddenly realized that we as fly tires, we have absolutely no way to truly test your flies um, and, and see how they're swimming or to demonstrate them. So I just thought it's a missing, there's a missing link between the vice and then the actual act of going fishing. Um, so what's nice with a fly test, especially this new one we've just come out with, which is a small portable desktop one. This is something that you can have on your table. doesn't take a lot of room. Um, and it allows you to tie a fly. Think about the design process now. You, you're tying a new pattern for the first time. You're not quite sure how what it's going to go like. Mm -hmm. You'll tie the fly. You immediately can put it into the tank. You can watch it swim straight away when the materials are wet and the water's moving, you will see where the problems are. So your second fly is going to be a little bit better. Maybe you replace the materials, add a little bit here, take a little bit where there, take your second fly, throw it into the tank. You cut your entire, you know, by the time you're on your third, fourth or fifth fly, you've got it down. You know, you, you've got your, yep. your tying technique, your mountain material using you, you've got it. You can With see real feedback, with real live feedback. Right. Real life, real life feedback. So, um, I think it's I think it's just a, a tool. It's just another tool we've never had. You know, like you have a vice, you should have a test, in my opinion. Um, and I think it'll just allow you to tie better flies. Quite frankly, 
Um, But I'll tell you where it's also um, a really exciting time for this fly test to come out is, you know, we have an explosion of social media now, Um, especially with COVID, with everybody staying at home. um, uh, You know, people can't get out to the shows. They can't get out to the clubs like they used to. uh, You know, and um, but social media allows people to share what they're doing. And now what you can do is you can you can you can actually tire fly you want to show all your buddies you want to show your fans and you can put it in the tank you can take a you know everyone's a movie maker now pull out your iphone take yeah. a short video post it to instagram take you five minutes um so what i'm seeing happening now is is a this ena- it's really just enables it enables fly videography up until now we've never really been able to take a video of a fly you know you take your fly you put it in the vice or you put on a piece of paper on the table and you take a still photo and you share that but now you can actually you know it's just a, a it's just a tool to enable fly videography as i call it yeah yeah you're a game changer in the industry martin you are <laughs> no you are I mean, seriously i'm not i mean I, I i did a podcast talking about how cameron mortensen kind of changed the industry with glass and uh, you have changed the the fly fishing industry as well. But what's so cool is what Cameron did is he put eyes on something. You can listen to the podcast, but I, you know, I don't want to get into it. The thing that's different with you is that you have changed the industry in regards to innovation and enabling. And that's even bigger than in regards to, to really changing uh, what people can do. I mean, I, I'm looking at this and it's $148 and 95 cents. And to me, I'm like, first of all, I, I want to get one of these things because I want to show Parker and Paisley what these flies look like for my kids. Okay. If I can get my kids excited at looking at flies and maybe wanting to tie flies, are you serious? $148 and 95 cents to get my kids interested in flies i'd pay you know how much i'd pay crazy amount of money okay and then like you said yeah there's the social media part of it and there are people that will take advantage of that think about though the story just like you said of you're trying to innovate and come up with stuff and you think you have a hypothesis right this is told this is like engineering and science 101 you have a hypothesis that well i'm going to add all this material over here because then it's going to make the things twist and yep. and and then you and then you really do it <laughs> and you go oh boy you know Shit, or <laughs> yeah or you think you're you're trying to go for something that's translucent or or very transparent or opaque and i'm sure that along the process of using this tool i guarantee that you will learn and um i talk about it all the time i've got some videos i want to try to finish up but talking about iterative design is some of the best that is the best design and I work with with wonderful, super talented engineers uh, in my in my way of life. And all the great ones say you can get to you go from the drawing board to the floor and you have to do the kind of the drawing board stuff, which essentially is thinking about it. And then yeah. when you get to the floor and you try and you do, you always learn way more. The curve, the learning curve is huge. So this is a I'm glad that you took time to talk about this because i kind of saw it and i was like yeah this is really cool but now that i hear you talking about it i want one so and i want one specifically just for parker and paisley to see the the flies as a parent and uh so 
sorry to kind of like boost you up here, but I do want you to feel like you are changing the industry. It's through innovation and enablement is amazing. I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for the the kind words. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I mean, thank you. That's that's really what what drives us. What makes us happy, you know. So that's awesome. So, um, I don't I don't want to keep you too too long, you know. But you do have some a lot of other materials and stuff in here. You got some great synthetic materials too. And um, real quick, is there anything that you want to say in regards to uh, any of the synthetic materials? One for for sure, the faux bucktail. Why why even have that product? I'm just curious. As compared well, to bucktail. Well, I mean, one 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 area, um, you know, we haven't put all that much focus into is to, you know, things like fibers and that, you know, we're going to do a lot more moving forward. Um, yeah, you know, I was really just looking for a synthetic alternative to bucktail. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just bucktails, as, as you guys know, it's hard to find good bucktail. Yeah. Hard to find long, long bucktail. Um, it is. At the time I was thinking about the, uh, the faux bucktail, um, yeah, we, we we were doing a lot of musky type flies and big flies, and and it's almost impossible to get to get really good back. So I was really just looking at an alternative, um, and so the whole idea was really is to try and imitate real bucktail as close as possible, and we really got it right in terms of the length and the 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 natural wave that's in the fiber, mm-hmm. and the most important thing is the taper. Yeah, you know, these are tapered fibers. These aren't ha- long hanks of um, uh, you know, just 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 material that you know cut into lengths, right? Um, because it's the taper that actually gets the movement out of a out of a hair. You know, it's like a whip. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, and- thick, it's thick at the back, and anything you do it to the back, it, it transmits all the way to the to the the tip. Um, Is it neutrally buoyant, or do they float? What's no, the- no, it's 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 it sinks. It's okay. got a, a it's a slow sink because that um, has a lot to do. You know, some of this some of the bucktail that you get, you could you could almost tie a muddler with it. So, you know what I mean? They're so hollow and, and they're too dense and a really great bucktail. We used to actually go to the guys that would skin whitetail locally and okay. we would get those tails and then we would salt them and dye them. And, and um, my buddy, Steve Bouchard, he started, he owns rise fishing rod company. He, he and I worked together for many years and he said the same thing. He could never get good bucktail and he went and got it himself. Um, so this is a great alternative. So that's, that's cool. So I learned something there that, and everyone yeah. can see that it's also consistent. I would imagine. Here's oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, look, I, I, um, it's, um, it's, it's not, I, I want to be very clear, you know, faux bucktail, faux means fake. So this is fake bucktail. It's the same size, length, um, appearance, but it's um, when you're tying with it, you you need to you need to adapt. And you know we've uh, it's not hollow, um, so you know when you tie with it, you have to do different techniques in order to get it to flare like traditional bucktail is. Okay. And um, I know that especially in the beginning when we first came out, with a lot of people were frustrated because they would try and tie using the techniques they've always known with bucktail. And got frustrated at you know the material slipping or not flaring as much as they wanted to. Um, so um, you know, we're some years later with the product, and we're actually selling more today than we ever have. Hmm. Um, and I think although it's not a um, it's not as versatile product as I would like, um, it's definitely finding its place in fly tying. 
Um, it's definitely not a bucktail replacement. It's, but it does offer a good alternative for certain tying situations. Okay. And yeah, so sorry, I just wanted to put that out there. No, that's great. That's good. That's good to know. That so, just kind of in recap, that it's not going to act exactly like bucktail. So you got to play with it, learn. The, it's you're a, you're a material scientist, so to speak, when you get this stuff right. You got to play with it a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a couple of videos on our website that that, in fact, Blaine Blaine did some some videos that. Um, show some techniques on just how to overcome a few things um, this is blaine chocolate yes blaine chocolate right. he so you this is the this is like the this is the big finale right these these spines okay the, the they're freaking amazing they're so cool and uh again it's another just by getting back in touch with you you've you've reinvigorated my desire to to tie and it's just awesome but you got to talk about this story with him and this product and, and what it does. I mean, I've never seen a fly articulate like this. What tell us this story. Well, it's uh, articulation is the future of fly time. I mean, of fly, fly design There's in my mind, there's just no, no two ways about it. Um, you know, uh, so Blaine and I go back, we've been friends for probably at least a decade. Um, you know, um, if you know Blaine, he is uh, one of the truly innovative, authentic uh, anglers, fly tires, savants, whatever you want to call it out there. And I'm just uh, very grateful that, uh, you know, we we become friends over the years. Um, so, um, you know, so just to explain for people who don't know what we're talking about. So, so really, um, uh, you know, the whole articulated shank family that we have, which is a range of five or six different types and sizes and shapes of shanks, really allow you to design flies that actually have a hell of a lot of movement. Mm -hmm. So articulation really just means, means movement, the ability to move for segments of your fly to move independently. So traditionally, you know, flies were designed and you would use the materials, you know, bucktail or fiber to get movement out of your fly and that was the best way you could really do it but it was very hard to get a fly to swim naturally especially yeah. a, especially a bait fish you know how do you ever do that so i'll try and accelerate the story a little bit but um the original articulated shank i designed or came out with maybe five six years ago and really the idea really was um what was happening at the time was is 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 you know certain guys out there were taking they were starting to articulate very basic articulations they'd take a streamer hook they'd cut the bend of the hook off so they cut the the bend and the tip of the hook off and they'd just be left with a shank and then what they would do is they would then tie on mono or fiber and create a, a very rough loop at the back and then would start to maybe put a tail or something on so there was some of that going on at the time um and I was looking at this, and um, uh, I think I remember seeing uh, John Collins. Actually, he, he inspired me quite a lot. He he was starting to uh, he was starting to do some of these and make you know play with wire and all that sort of thing. And and during just observing, I just came up with the idea. I thought, well, why don't we just have a shank with a loop already on it? And that was the uh, original articulated shank, which is still you know huge product for us today. But really what they allowed you to do is, is you know, just to describe it, it's really just a, think of a hook shank with an eye and a long shank. At the back of it is really just a loop. 
And that loop you can hook on there, um, um, a hook, for example. And that was my original idea is, hey, why don't I have a two-part fly, a shank with a hook at the end, and there's two halves that move independently. So all of immediately your fly is moving better than it was with, with just a hook shank. Mm-hmm. And so this product came out and we, we, you know, we were doing well with it immediately. People got it immediately. Um, but quite honestly, it was Blaine who really saw the, the vision for it. You know, he came and saw me and he showed me a fly at Tide. We had literally daisy chained you know, five or six of these articulate shanks together. And he said, watch this. And all of a sudden, you know, we just had an amazing fly that swam just like a real fish. Mm-hmm. And you do that immediately, you're just catching a lot more fish. You're getting better opportunities. And um, and so really, it was Blaine who said, listen, if we take this and just, you know, make it smaller, thinner wire, different segments, um, we can create a whole bunch of different things. And Due to that, we then created the, you know, what's no, now known as the, uh, the articulated fish spine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that's, that's how it all, it all happened. Um, it's, I think that the density of the materials also in the fly, you're getting closer to a real life fish. Because you've got, you know, you got this fleshy kind of material on there. That's the body material. And then you still have this stiff yet uh stiff rigid but but articulating or flexible spine which is very now we're getting towards like you know real um mimicking of of a bait fish um and martin i noticed that the i i don't i haven't got these i'm going to get some the last piece i see specifically i'm looking on the on the micro one the last piece is bent is that so that the material won't slide off of it is that why there's like a 90 degree bend in that last the in other words the tail piece oh oh um yeah yeah so so part of the system so if you look at the the fish spine system which is the you know for the bigger flies and now we've come out with the micro spine which is the same sort of system Uh, the system consists of different size shanks but the what you're talking about is really what we call the tail shank yeah that right so, so the tail shank really is the place, like most flies, you start off by tying the tail first and then you work your way forward, tie the body and never end up with the head. And so the, what that tail shank does is that 90, it's basically just a small straight shank with a little 90 degree bend on the back. And that 90 degree little little tag on the bottom is really to fit in your vice. To put in the vice. Okay. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. That makes sense. You, yeah. Otherwise you, you just, you struggle to, to get yep. started. Yeah. Um, so what you do is you put the tail shank in the vise, that little little nub, that little tag holds it. You mm-hmm. tie your tail, and then you take your first shank, hook it onto the eye of the of the tail shank, and then you take that out the vise, put that that shank in the vise, and then you just build wow. each segment as you go. And you basically just all you're doing is you're really daisy chaining, um, you know, a series of articular shanks together. Now, if I buy, like I'm looking at the articulated fish spline 10 millimeter, if I buy the 10 millimeter, am I only getting the 10 millimeter shank piece or is it a kit of them? Um, You've got both. Um, When we first came out with it, we had one product, which we called the starter pack. Uh And what the starter pack is, and it's it's still very popular, is really just 
four different shanks, uh, you know, 10 millimeter shank, 15 millimeter shank, 20 millimeter shank, and, and a 25 millimeter shank. So you, you, you get a bag with, with, with four different size shanks in there. And that's what we call our starter pack. But we very quickly realized that once people started tying these types of flyers, they then realized that, oh, shit, I actually only really use right. 10s and 15s. Okay. So what happens today is, is people, especially people who've been tying these style of flies for a while, they sort of get a good idea what they want and they'll just buy a bag of 10s or they'll buy a bag of 15 millimeters. Got it, got it. Okay, so make sure you, if you're going to play with this, make sure you'll get a tail shank, right? And like, for example, if I was going to, if I wanted to, I might get a, a, a tail shank, a 10, a 15, and a 20. And then when I add on to the hook, I actually would end up having a five-piece system because I'd have the hook, the tail shank, and then a 10, a 15, and a 20 in the middle, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. The, the beauty with this this whole articulated shank system is your creativity can go crazy. Oh, yeah. I'm already um, some of the most effective flies are, are simple ones, you know, literally one hook and one shank. You know, a lot of simple streamers are tied that way, and a simple two-path fly can be very, very effective or you can absolutely go crazy and i mean i've seen flies with 10 12 shanks um the the, the really the rule of thumb is the more shanks you add the better movement you typically get out of any fly okay um so so martin you also have the line of hooks too on the on the store i'm gonna i'm gonna start wrapping it up here but one of the things i did want to say and have you correct me if i'm wrong but you could go on your site, besides from getting the kits, which I think are great, you can buy hooks from you. You can buy the articulated shanks from you. You can buy the chenilles and the synthetic materials. If you're just going to try to play with some of these articulated flies, you can buy everything from you and tie them. Is that right? Because the, the, the uh, chenille material is what I think I see um, – uh, Blaine uses to tie some of these flies. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. So, so, um, so we, we, you know, we, we do have all of our products. Yeah, you know, we are manufacturer. So the vast majority of products we sell on our website are products we make ourselves. Um, and then we, 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 we ha have some third party, what I would call third party products. Um, the one that you're referring to there really is, is the body material, um, the finesse chenille, the game changer chenille. There's several different ones there. Now yeah. those are actually made by Hairline, Hairline right. Gavin. Yeah, um, but who, they can the, get them from you. That's what I'm saying. One stop oh, shop. Oh, oh, uh, they can get them from me. Um, but quite honestly, they can also get uh, from our dealer channel. Um, yeah, sure. You know, um, uh, although we do sell direct, we, the vast majority of our sales, quite honestly, are through um, through literally the hundreds of fly shops out there. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I'm you sure. know, we've we've got customers as big as you know bass pro and and some of the big retailers and uh, yep. the fly shops so e either either most 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 uh, most shops carry our stuff so i would uh, i would encourage people okay. if they do have a local fly shop that would be good well be good, uh, you've got a great uh you got you've got dealer distribution information on here and stuff you know there's people that are going to listen to this podcast from all over the world for people that are near me in central New York, I had the big fly shop in our area. Okay. And then uh, I ended up shutting down uh, when Gander Mountain opened up next to me. Yeah. 
And I had a ton of fly tying materials. I mean, I had, uh, I had everything you can imagine. And, and um, we had some great, great fun doing that and, and had your stuff in the shop. Um, so some of us like around the Utica, Utica, Rome area, where we got to go online and buy it. Okay. But certainly um, it sounds like if somebody uh, thinks to have a, a distributor near you or uh, near them, near them or a fly shop near them, they can go on your site and probably walk right in and buy your stuff as well as other stuff too, and support those guys. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, as I uh, to answer your question in a short way, uh, we do, we, we do carry all the key components that you'd need. However, um, uh, uh, you may, there's a lot of other materials that you most likely mm-hmm. need as well. So you may have to shop around a little bit and yeah, I would encourage you to support, uh, you know, on, you know, uh, where, where possible, um, right. of the, course. The, re- the retailers out there. Yeah. Absolutely. So again, let's go back the way to find you on the web and through your dealer network. But if, if anybody wants to just jump right on their phone or on their desktop, flymenfishingcompany.com, right? And yep. um, Martin, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Is there anything else that you'd like to touch upon before we close up? Um, no, great. I really uh, thank you for the, the chance to come and just chat a little bit. Um, I don't uh, get in front of people much, so it's, it's, it's a real pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you've... you've- taught us so much it's great and it's it's fun to go right to the uh right to the source and <laughs> you're the guy so it's so cool i know you've got a lot of uh teammates involved too and i don't want to um you know steal that thunder you're a terrific leader also and you always give everybody else credit so i know you've got a team of people and, and innovators and that's what makes things so great so um hats off to to everybody else too on your team that's making this stuff happen thanks again for changing the industry don't go anywhere okay uh i don't know what your uh your uh liquid of inspiration is but keep it up okay (laughs) thanks appreciate it oh this is this has been terrific um so martin thanks for being on the on the podcast we'll be talking to you soon i'll be placing an order for some stuff i really appreciate it have a great day Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.